Welcome to Real Leadership, the podcast that cuts through the noise to focus on leaders who make, move, and process things in the real economy. Together, we'll discover the strategies and hard-earned lessons from pragmatic, gutsy leaders who operate in a world that is more stake than it is sizzling. Right here, we dive into their stories, challenges, and triumphs to go beneath the surface to the very heart of leadership in the real economy. I'm your host, Jim Weaver, Chief Operating Officer of the Oni Group, where we believe that real leadership does indeed matter. Let's go. In this episode, we're excited to introduce Stefan Mathis, an entrepreneur and leader in the logistics industry. Stefan began his logistics career as national account manager with Coyote Logistics and then went on to co-found Molo Solutions with a former real leadership guest, Will Jenkins, uh, back in 2017. Over six years, Molo grew from nothing to becoming a billion dollar force in the industry. Stefan led Molo's business development before becoming executive director of enterprise sales in 2020. In just six years, Stefan generated $350 million in revenue, that's personal production, through strategic alliances with Fortune 500 companies. Molo Solutions' rise culminated in an acquisition by Arc Best in 2021. 2023 brought a new chapter for Stefan, and he made a decision to step away from Molo Solutions to spend a little time with his fledgling family and to find his next passion project. We're excited to have him. Welcome. Thanks for having me, Jim. Uh, that's quite an intro. Um, I am loving your flow right now with the with the hair. I, I got to get more confidence to let mine flow, but that you're really rocking <laughs> it, so I respect it. Logistics has been my jam for the last thir- yeah last thirteen years. Um, I jumped into it uh, kind of randomly. Actually, I was uh, in my early twenties, uh, living in Wrigleyville in Chicago. If you're if you're a Cubs fan, that's a fun spot. Um, I actually remember I was uh, I was yeah. at a bar and I met a guy who was working in logistics at a at a freight brokerage at the time I didn't even know that trucks had 18 wheels like that's literally was my knowledge of of the trucking industry um, <laughs> and he was like hey man you you seem pretty personable you might you might be good at what I do I'm I'm doing really well making good money um, and so I ended up taking a a, a job at, at Coyote Logistics early on in my my early 20s and. And you blink 12 years later, co-founded a company, exited um, a lot of stories. I'm sure we'll, we'll capture some of that on this podcast. But yeah, it's been a wild yeah. ride. So that was around the time you had graduated from DeVry, DeVry in 2011, yes. right? With a sales and marketing degree. So where was your head at um, when you graduated from college? Um, did you have a, it sounds like, well, I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to put words in your mouth. But where's your head at when you graduated college? You have a clear path in, that you 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 wanted to take, or so, kind of up in the air. Or where I'll was shoot you straight. Actually, I did not have a clear path. Um, actually, had you know very humble beginnings. Uh, we we grew up, you know, paycheck to paycheck family. That that you know hard hard hat lunch pail. My my dad was a mailman for for yeah. thirty years. Um, you know, my mom was was born over overseas, married my dad. Um, he was in the Air Force, came over here. And so just, you know, hardworking blood in our in our family. 
And I knew I just needed to do something yeah. different in order to kind of get the result that I wanted. And so um, I started working at an early age, um, you know, in, co- in, in high school, I, I worked uh, while going to school, playing, uh, playing sports and just like started, started understanding that I could carry a much larger workload than, than what was prototypical of a 17, 18 year old, right? Um, but again, with the humble, humble beginnings, I didn't really, uh, have a way of funding college. Right. So I didn't go off to four year school party, do the whole, you know, the fun thing, take, uh, take on a bunch of debt. Well, man, let me rephrase that. I did take on my debt to put myself through college, but I worked my way through college. So really my story is working for everything that I've ever had. Nothing ever was given to me, and and I, I, I'm, I'm prideful about that. You got your direction when you met a guy in a bar, <laughs> right? Yeah. That's the way it happens sometimes. There's life, layers to that. I mean, yeah, I was in a bar in, in Wrigleyville. Um, he was working at Coyote Logistics. He was making good money. Um, I was I got my first job out of, out of college, entry-level role, making $32,000 a year. Um, which at that time was a fair rate. Um, that was back in what, yeah. 2022. I was a, a recruiter at a company called Aerotech, which they're a, a massive staffing firm. Oh, they're yeah. still around doing great. Um, and I was part-time valeting at, at a country club. And so I do want to go down that path because that's the path that actually set me on the, the, the path to understanding that I could do more with my life. Um, the valet job, the valet job. And so I'll bring this all back together, um, at at some point, but so working at the valet job, I was at the front of the country club, the first, the first impression, if you will, and you're shaking hands with wealthy individuals, people who have had successful careers, um, you know, lawyers, business owners, insurance, people who were doctors. And I'm sitting, I'm, I'm standing there like, these people have a really good life and I've had a hard life up to this point, but it kind of showed me quickly that I could potentially create this life for myself if I get myself thinking on the right track. And so, yeah, working at the country club kind of opened my eyes that there was more that I could do with my life. What were the steps you took? Um, You you had that, you had that realization. Did you, you talk to those people did you ask questions did you just just to see like how did that how did that germinate i like that you said germinate because i have german heritage um but how did that germinate (laughs) i think i've naturally always been very uh sociable um i like connecting talking asking questions communicating with people and just understanding their journey shaking their hands going above and beyond um, yeah. I felt a lot of pride in being the in the valet. I guess it was kind of more of a prestigious spot in the country club to get to park the nice cars and and get sure. to you know chop it up with the the wealthy individuals. And so there was just something about like seeing once you see it, you can do it. And so I saw a, a different world where there was some you know thirty two year old country club members pulling up in a Porsche. And I'm like, I don't know how they're doing it, but maybe in 10 years, 12 years, I could, I could be like that. And I, it, 
I could figure that out. Yeah, I could figure this out. I think some, I can do some this. People would, some people would look at that, though, and think, oh, that's them. Um, lucky them, but this is me. And so what was it about you, you think, that, that you sort of dared to believe that you could cross that divide and uh, move out of move out of the mode you were in into into more of a I don't know th- thriving mode or whatever yeah I think it's it's from a place of everywhere I've ever gone when I was challenged to overcome something I did and so I started recognizing like when I started at the valet uh, in the valley job I was just a regular valet happy to be there park some cars make some good money then I got promoted to valet lead. Yeah. Uh, so started leading a little bit of you know the rest of the the team. Started making the schedule a little bit. There wasn't a clear path to becoming the valet manager, but I got promoted within two years because the service was great. The members were loved working with us. Um, the the team it enjoyed the way that I was leading, and so I think it was just everywhere I've ever gone, I've like raised my bar and like realized that like, wait, I can do more. There's like more, you don't have to set your parameters or like, you don't have to shoot low. You can continue to raise the bar. And so that valet job, um, tick, like there was, there's something about the, the speed at which you have to move to, to take care of, you know, hundreds of cars a day, you got to kind of be a pep in your step and be able to socialize and be able to, to manage all that. There's some pressure there. Country club, taking care of business owners and people, they have, they have high expectations for you. Right. And so like, I think I got a pep in my step and started learning, um, just the ability to like multitask and, and take care of people. And so that really transitioned into logistics, which is, relationships moving quickly fast adapting mm-hmm. problem solving um mm-hmm. and an efficiency is a word that that i love and so at that valet job kind of kicked off my my career in logistics yeah so it looked like you did real well with coyote um and you had uh, how long were you with coyote uh, I was there for about five and a half years. I actually yeah. remember the interview because I was at the country club at the time. They had interviewed me and said, "Hey, um, we're going to have this job. It's going to it's going to open up in four months. We're going to hire you." Um, but they ended up calling me back in two weeks and said, "Hey, there's a there's a training class uh, starting soon. You can you can hop in this class." So I was like, "Sweet, let's go!" And I remember my interview. Yeah. I was like. I'm going to be the hardest working employee you guys have ever had. And if you don't hire me, there's, I have two other interviews at other logistics firms. And you said that in the interview? I said that in the interview. I yeah, called my nice. shot. I'm not trying to be boastful or cocky no, or anything. No. I, li- I just like, I, there's something about believing in yourself that you can do what you say you're going to do. And that's a, a story that resonates with me throughout my life. Everywhere I've ever gone, if I said I was going to do it, I'm going to do it. And then yeah. if I fall on my face, then... Then I met defeat. Um, and so, so, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Speaking of risking falling on your face, so you're doing really well with Coyote and you decide to take a leap and be a co founder in a startup. What, what possessed you to do that? Um, it wasn't a direct line, but um, I have this, 
uh, uncanny ability to like see ahead of me, almost like a wiser self where you're like, I can stay doing what I'm doing. I'm happy. I'm comfortable. But like, am I, is this leading to like where I really want to go in life? Um, or do I need to take a sideways step or, or maybe take a step back in order to get to where I want to go next? And so, uh, at the time I was crushing it in refrigerated carrier sales, talking to truck drivers. I mean, me and me and a couple of the other guys were one, two, three on the leaderboard, booking a ton of freight, making good money, um, in my mid twenties. And I wanted to take a leap to the other side of the industry, which is where you talk directly to, to customers. Um, and I would have had to start all over inside of coyote, which I had already climbed so high, um, on the, on the carrier side. And I, and I was just like, I don't want to start over here again. Right. It, it, the company had got, had recently gotten acquired by UPS. So, um, there's a little bit of fear in like working for a publicly traded organization. They kind of sure. come in, they change the way that it is. Uh, at the time that company was the place to be, it was the hottest company in Chicago. Everybody wanted to work there. Um, the vibes were high, the people, the energy. And when, when the acquisition took place, I, I saw a little bit early, the writings on the wall that like there was going to be some change coming and, whether than stick it out and see what was going to happen. Um, I had gotten uh, a message on LinkedIn from, from a, a, a still friend today who had worked at another company. And she was like, Hey, like, I think you do really well. Why don't you come work for me? Um, uh, her name's Nicole Glenn and she runs a woman owned trucking firm down in North Texas. Awesome. Giving her a shout out here. Cause she's, a big part of why I even landed at Molo, but, um, she saw something in me. We met for, for lunch and I quit my job, my cushy job making $150,000 a year as a 26 year old and in Chicago living the life. And she was like, we're going to build this, this company. Um, so I, I took a leap on a startup. Um, and me and her were going, uh, it was called precision freight at the time. And we were building that. And then because I was outside the walls of Coyote, because I jumped, that's how I got the opportunity to work at Molo. Um, Andrew Silver, his father is Jeff Silver, who originally co-founded Coyote. He's kind of a, a legend in the industry, if you will. Got almost like godfather of the, the freight brokerage. Yeah. Uh, him and a few others of, um, you know, pioneers of the industry, if you will. And Andrew... Um, also worked at Coyote at the same time that I did. Um, and he hit me up at maybe six months, a year after I had left and was like, Hey, I want to start my own brokerage and you're on the outside already. I think you'd be a good fit. Um, and so that's how I got this opportunity. But like, I think everything happens for a reason, right? Like the stars start aligning, you start you jump, you take a leap of faith. You don't know if it's going to work out or not. And then sure enough, an opportunity comes and presents itself. Um, I think even if you ask Andrew today, like me and him used to butt heads on, uh, at Coyote, we had like this rivalry inside of it. And I even asked him like, why me? You know? And he was like, because I respected you because you did a yeah. really good job. And like, I could tell that you would be a good fit for 
grinding and, and working at a company at a startup. And so that's how that opportunity came came about. Um, and July, was it July 5th, 2017, day after 4th of July, we started Molo. And his proposition to you was come co-found this thing with me. It was yeah, you I, and Andrew and then Will uh, Jenkins, who, who we've had on uh, as well originally, right? Yeah, and Matt Vogridge, uh mm-hmm. Disclaimer: It's it was Andrew's idea. He wanted to build a brokerage. His best friend was was uh, Matt Vogrich. Uh They they had grew up in Lake Forest together. Went to Michigan together. Uh, it was their idea to start Molo. Will and I were kind of the hired uh, logistics hats, if you will, that that knew the game and knew how to how to really take care of customers. Andrew had to sit out a non compete for a year or so. Yeah, it was Matt who was our president, and Will and I were the early stage founders, you know, co-founders yeah. like running around and yeah. getting it and, and launching a company, yeah. so. Understanding your labor market is crucial for successful recruitment. Onan Staffing's Recruitment Strategy Guide provides insights specific to your geographic location and the positions you're hiring for. Our Recruitment Strategy Guide delivers a clear snapshot of your labor market and actionable intel to tackle market-specific challenges. With Onan's expertise, we help you navigate and win in your competitive landscape. Empower your recruiting process with the insights you need. Learn more about Onan's Recruitment Strategy Guide at onanstaffing.com backward slash strategy. How did your role develop? What did you do practically for Molo? It's a startup, so you got to do a little of everything, but what did you kind of settle into as your contribution uh to growing the growing the organization yeah so uh, good question there my my background was was heavily on building relationships with trucking companies if you're not familiar with the industry uh, we're talking about a freight brokerage so there's trucking companies on one side and then there's companies like a pepsi or a coca-cola who needs to move the freight um and we are the middleman so my job was to talk to customer or excuse me talk to carriers build relationships with them and then sell them the freight uh, that we bid out from the customers so that's what i did for my first six years at coyote that's what i was actually hired to do at molo uh, was to help build out the carrier team um, early on and when we're all early stages right everyone's wearing a ton of hats it's difficult there's too many cooks in the kitchen right after a while like you start wanting to do this, you want to do that, you want to do that. Well, nobody was really owning sales, like which is kind of the most important part yeah. of a company, like growing. Uh-huh. Um, and at my previous startup that I was at, there was, I had a few customers because I, I dabbled with it in just, you know, two, I had like one or two industry contacts. So uh, early on, um, we we, we kind of had a meeting of the minds and and even Will will tell you this. Will Will Jenkins had a a, a background in um, customer sales, customer facing. He did that for his whole career. I'll never forget it actually because I was we were in his car outside of his apartment after a long 12, 14 hour day, and he was like, "Hey man, I think you should go customer sales." Like 
I know you don't know a lot about it. You've never done it before. It's scary. But I think you would be really good at it. You're just like the way that you you're mellow. You're 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 like you understand it. Relationships like people will believe what you say if you just try this thing. So I was like, all right, I'll go do sales. And I jumped. Um, I was scared. I didn't know how to do it all. I, I, I failed several times. I botched my meetings. I, I botched sales calls. I didn't know. And if you ask anybody in the beginning, I was super raw and, uh, it showed, but over time, when you work on something, you start to get a little bit of confidence. You start to understand your cadence, your, um, you become, you have a, you get, you know, your personality starts to come out. Um, and there was, there was, I, I remember a time when I was even trying to mimic others, right? Like, oh, he said that, like, I could say that thing and sound really cool. Mm-hmm. And then I would say it and I would botch it and I'd sound like an idiot. And I'm like, mm-hmm. you know what, dude, you just got to be yourself. Like people will respect you just being goofy or whatever it is that you can, um, you can, find a commonality with somebody. Right. And so once my personality just started coming out and I got to be my jovial self, my natural voice, joking, you know, leading them to where I want them to go, it started becoming like supernatural. Um, and I, I hit a groove in, in, in yeah. sales. Why do you think your customers bought from you and Molo? Um, as opposed to your your competition, because it, it's a very price competitive business, right? Yeah, so it's a super commoditized industry. I mean, today there's twenty eight thousand brokerages. I, I, I bet you a new one opens every day, and, and two probably close every day. Like that's how highly competitive it is. At the time, um, we, you know, we set our target out on on our differentiator being. We'll, we'll always service the freight no matter what. If we quote it, we'll pick it up. Um, our differentiator was our culture, the way we treated our employees, drivers, and the customer experience. Like We nailed that. We committed to treating our customers a certain way regardless of what was going to happen. Whereas like in the logistics industry, no one is giving certainty. Mm. It's all gray area. And you're playing the gray area every day, whether it's on the customer side or inside of a brokerage, the market, hurricanes, tornadoes, whatever it is, it's coming your way. The way that you handle adversity or the unknowns is what actually matters to customers. Cause they want to know yes. that like, yeah. it does it. I don't care what's going on. Like you said, you do this thing and do this thing. And so we got really yeah. good at just doing the thing that we said we would do, which <laughs> like, it sounds crazy. Like that you're going to commit to doing something. And that's what, made yeah. you grow but like if you looked at the list of the top 20 companies in our industry they haven't changed in probably like 10 years and that's just because they just keep doing the right things yeah over and over yeah. and over and over and over and over yeah. and over again and so that's what we did and then when the pandemic happened right like the world turned upside down and companies with lesser values or maybe not as much grit and tenacity to stick to their morals. They gave their freight back to the customers. They asked for rate increases. They stopped servicing or they were rejecting the loads where 
um, you know, Andrew did a really good job of this. He said, we're going to stick to our, our commitments. And so for one year during the pandemic, 2020, um, it was, it was a very challenging year. I'll say that because we had to service freight when rates went sky, sky high. Um, we were, you know, we were bleeding cash, losing, losing money. But what it did was it showed customers like that the loyalty was there and that like our word is our bond, right? Like we're not going to waver on our commitment that we gave you. So by the end of the year, it was, I want to say November or something, customers started coming to us and being like, how come you guys haven't changed your rates yet? Like you're the last ones we've talked to about adversity. You just keep showing up. Wow. And we were getting award after award from from shippers to the point where it was like word of mouth. Our company doubled because of the pandemic. Um, no kidding. And I looked at that and like zooming out of the situation, it's like, hmm, if I was going to build a company and it was a historic year of a pandemic where everyone is desk is on fire every single day and I wanted them to remember me, maybe I just take one year and the hardest year ever and come through. And by doing that, it was like, you could literally ask for anything after that. Yeah. And so we started getting referrals. You'd call customers and tell them the stories and it resonated. They were like, yeah, like our carrier, none of our carriers did that. And so I'd have to fact fact check. Don't quote me here. I want to say we went from like, 278 million to like 580 million the next year. Wow. Because like of the wow. way that we supported and showed up for our customers. Yeah. I know it was a hundred percent growth. Don't those numbers aren't perfect. Cause like that's like three years ago, yeah. but I do know we doubled and the yeah. pandemic was a big part of that. Um, the road less traveled, right? I mean, it was scary. It was nervous servicing the yeah. freight, uh, under those, uh, circumstances, wasn't easy but it was definitely a worthwhile decision yeah yeah i was thinking about you and your story and and you're an individual producer you're also a a founder and so you you kind of have to lead as an individual producer in that in that um in that role right so how, how do you lead as an individual producer, and maybe I know we have a lot of salespeople that actually listen to this podcast. How do you, how do you lead as a, uh, an individual contributor? Great question. And I mean, I asked myself that several times early on, like I was a co-founder of a company, wore a ton of hats, eventually landed in sales and specifically individual contributors don't manage employees directly right? Like you're out there hitting the pavement, trying to get contracts, trying to land customers, uh, building the brand. But, uh, so at first it was hard because I didn't know how to find my footing inside the company. But then what I realized was like, I should just lead by example, by doing my job really well, by sticking to the morals of the company, by protecting our culture, um, by growing my book of business, by always working hard, by, um, by landing business, right? Like 
My job is to land business and grow our company. We're a startup. Nobody knows who you are. So why not go out there and crush it? And so being bold and, and, and taking calculated risks and, and building your character and taking care of your customers and leading by example, um, by the end, when I left, the amount of people that reached out to me were like, yo, man, I know like you weren't always the most faciest of, of Molo. You weren't the one that, you know, got all the, the limelight or the credit or anything like that. But like you led and I, I looked up to you so much the way that you built your book of business, the way that you um, carried yourself and those types of conversations out, it made me feel really good because like I actually was trying to be like that and being like a person yeah. that like was an example of how I yeah. did my work yeah. and how I cared and how I treated people and um, made people feel whether they work, if they were working for me or indirectly um, being, being a person that, you know, leaves a room in a better place or like makes people feel good. Right. Like, like you have to almost become somebody that like they look up to essentially. And like, that's really what I, so it, it, it was challenging at times to have to be like, always hold yourself to a higher standard. Yeah. But I, but I think, you know, leaders, you become a leader. You, you're not born a leader. I think leadership comes from constantly putting yourself in the face of fear, taking on challenges, overcoming it, overcoming adversity. And then you look back and like people are following you because like you continue to push yourself forward. That's when you become a leader. You don't become a leader because, hey, I'm the manager and now I lead all these people. Like that's that's right. like surface level. It's yeah. actually who's following you and you didn't like get given that, you know, given the leadership position. Yeah. And so by the end, I had I close to yeah. 200 indirect reports in one way or another that were touching the freight that I was moving, whether they were in tracking or account management or operations. I'm so thankful for them because without, without all the people that we had, like we, I wouldn't have had near as much success. Um, uh, but yeah, like, I kind of was able to create a brand of like, I care about my people who work for me. I do a really good job for my customers. And I think that leadership indirectly affected the way that the people worked for my accounts because they were like, well, we don't want to mess up for him. He's like doing a great job. He's one of our founders. Like, and so I think just leading from a place of like, not taking for granted the fact that you do, you are a co-founder of a company and you're in sales, but so like you kind of have to hold yourself to a higher standard at all times. Recruiting top talent is tough. Onan Staffing focuses on people, offering exceptional benefits to attract and retain dedicated workers. Partner with us for flexible, data-driven solutions. Visit onanstaffing.com to learn more. Over a 10 or 12 year span, you managed to cross the Rubicon. You know, you were, you were in that valet job at the country club. You saw what was possible, uh, and you, you crossed over, and, and you were able to earn yourself a, a big payday um, at, a, at a young age. How has that changed you or 
or shaped your perspective on things, your perspective on your career, on how you're spending your time, uh, those, those types of things. How has how achieving that uh, shaped you? I think it's made me realize of what I'm capable of and that the goals that I set for myself, um, I, can, I can dream bigger and know that like my track record of being of coming through and and delivering if you've seen my i guess tagline that says delivered right because everywhere i've gone i've delivered so it makes me feel like i can do hard things and if i put myself in uncomfortable positions and i'm scared and i'm fearful and i don't know i'm gonna be okay because it's always been okay and so now i think differently about opportunities i think about it like it's not so much like hiring for who you are today, but it's about who you can become. And so when Molo started, I was a carrier sales rep who had a good track record of taking care of carriers. And by the end, some say I built the biggest book of business ever from an individual contributor. Yeah. How did I do that? It's because yeah. I learned and I grew over time. And so having gone through that, now I'm like outside the walls uh, I've been three months removed and I'm like, what else can I set my mind to accomplish if I, you know, if it's something that I really want to go after. And I, so now I start dreaming a little bigger and actually like this, this just came to mind. You know, you mentioned the the country club. Um, I ran into one of the members who was at the time 35 years old. His name's Mike Demchenko in the Detroit airport about four months ago, just randomly, I was visiting a customer and we chopped it up for about an hour, had a drink, had a slice of pizza. And, and I told him, I was like, I don't know if you know this man, but like when you were pulling up with your car at the country club and I was, I was valeting it, I looked at you as a role model. I was like, this, who is this person that's got a, it's got a cool life. Like, um, you know, he's made it, he's selling insurance. Like I didn't know that I could do anything that great with my life. And so I saw you and I, it made me realize that I can do more. And I told him that in the airport and he was like, man, that's really cool. And, uh, I think he, it's a high, high up, uh, executive at an insurance company he has a family and all of that. Um, but it was just a cool circle. Like, man, I started out as a valet yeah. parking this guy's car and I'm running this gauntlet of like, logistics life co-founded a company and i run into the guy that like was inspired me so it was really cool yeah that is cool um you uh you mentioned yeah you just talked about how you you're you're thinking bigger dreaming bigger um what what's next do you think what are some what's what are some ideas you you've got some options that most people don't have it's I would imagine, I mean, it, it'd be almost hard to pare it all down. You have so many options at this point. I don't know. Where, where's your head at with that? Um, I, I think differently now than I did when we started Molo. Like then I, my, my mind was, I want to do something to build for my future family, right? Like I, I, it was just me. I had a dog. I was single. I wanted to work my tail off so that I'd have enough money to start a family, 
and like give them a good life, right? Like uh, yeah. I we we struggled early on, so I was like, I, I don't want my kids to struggle, so I got to work differently. And so um, now that I've done that, I feel like I'm in a place where I've kind of hit some stability after after Molo. Um, I have two kids, um, and my family's like everything. So like, I want to find an opportunity that I, I'm super excited about, like what's my beak, not so much from a financial perspective, but more from a place of fulfillment and impact. Like how many people could I, yeah, I help, right? Like, um, or tackle a larger problem whether it's in the logistics industry or just really the world in general like i think that the world needs more people that aren't afraid to go for it um you'll probably ask me this question later but one of my role models if you will or people that i look up to is is uh arnold schwarzenegger uh some like uh, I'm, him. I'm reading his book right now i'm reading it right now too and yeah. there's a phrase in there it's a german phrase he says Venschon Denschon. Um, and I'm German. My mom's first generation German. Uh, and it means if you're going to do it, do it. And there's just something about that that like it resonated with me when I read it because that's kind of how I was growing like everywhere I've ever gone. I like, yeah, you asked me to do this thing. I'm going to do this thing. And so when you become that type of person, it's like, well, then why would I set my dreams on like maybe and i'm just speaking from my own personal yeah. right now why would i set my dreams low i should shoot much higher for impact for 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 um just just think bigger and challenging myself to be around maybe be in a room with other people who have accomplished a lot and like putting our heads together to solve a bigger issue starting a company from the ground up um molo taught me that that like i'm capable of more and so now i'm this like person on the sidelines it's like well like what's my next mountain that i need to climb yeah and that's like that's where i'm at right now but i don't think yep. you learn how to just think big by like saying like as an 18 year old i'm gonna change the world like no you kind of have to prove it to yourself that right. like you are someone that will follow through on your on what you want right you need to set a goal, accomplish it and be like, whoa, that wasn't as hard as I thought it was. Let me set another one and then another one. And then eventually you become a person that like believes that you will do what you say you will. And then over time, like you want to set your goals higher. What is that Stephen Covey? I think it's Stephen Covey, the illustration. He's got two circles, a big one and then a smaller one in the middle. And the small one in the middle is what you can control, what you can control. That, and as you focus on that and develop that, it grows in your sphere of influence. So that's that's how you change the world. You got to grow that center by doing exactly what you said by by delivering. You know. Yeah, I I just think that um, your confidence in yourself and your belief that you can do it and it, it grows over time. The harder the harder, more challenging things that you go after in life, the easier it becomes to see what the right path is to, to take, right? And so I'm at a position right now, I'm a free agent. Uh, I can't work directly in the logistics space. I have a non-compete, so yeah. uh, I won't be starting a brokerage anytime soon or, or helping you move your freight, but I'm in a place where I'm 
thinking like, what's my next like challenge that I want to take on? It's kind of like the, the Arnold Schwarzenegger mindset where like he just went for it in every room and he didn't have a backup plan. And he said, I'm doing this thing. And like the dude has done, I mean, maybe some questionable character things somewhere here or yeah. there. If you like him, don't like yeah. him, whatever. But like from a fearless leader perspective, the guy has like, he won, what was it? Mr. Olympia several times. Terminator was an actor. They told him he couldn't do it. He, he was a he millionaire be- before he started acting from real estate investment. Yeah. And then he goes on acting remarkable. I think he was still to this day, the one of the highest ticketing movies ever. Um, yeah. And then he went on and then to, he was governor. He just said, I'm going to be the governor. And then people like that kind of the Trump approach of like, I'm not your typical politician, but that's why you should hire me um, or, yeah. or vote for me. And I think I like have, I resonate with that. It's just like, I'm going to go for it. And if you want to hire me because my track record says that I'm good at it, like there's going to be all these other things that I learned that like, you're going to get way more value out of me because now I have even more tools that I learned in your adventure or problem you wanted me to solve. So like, that's like, what what's my yeah. beacon gets me excited. I have another five year sprint in front of me right here before my kids, um, get in the T ball stages. And like, that's, that's, I've always dreamed of being the, the, the head coach of my little league team, my, my kids, little league team. That's like, yeah. I don't want to miss a game. My, my dad and mom, unfortunately had to miss games, right? They worked two jobs, humble beginnings. My life dream is to never miss a game. Awesome. Awesome. What, uh, let's wrap with, with, uh, one more question. If you could, go, if you could go back to yourself, uh, in 2011, when you graduated from college, you were in that transitional point. Uh, what advice would you give your, your younger self? Oh man. Um, try and fail as much as possible in your early twenties. That's your time to, to grow and adapt and figure out what you're good at, learn skills, um, have fun in your twenties. If you make mistakes, you can recover cause you still have more time. Obviously like in your thirties or forties, you gotta be a little more serious. If you're, if you're going to want a family, you need a little bit more stability in your life, but your twenties should be to put yourself in, in uncomfortable positions, learning, building your, your toolbox, right. That'll go with you through life. Um, I think I was doing that indirectly, but not knowing that I was, but man, if I had the mindset of like, I'm going to do this because this is what I should be doing. Like I would have been even more dangerous in my, in my early twenties. But yeah, I think you got to fail more. I I didn't fail enough. I actually succeeded in most of the things that I, I tried. So like, I want to get to the point where like, I'm trying things that are so hard that I'm failing because that's how you learn and you grow the most. So that's the advice that I would give to anyone in their 20s. And then secondly, nowadays, right, if you're 20 now, you need to be building a personal brand, right? You need to get yourself out there on the social media. That's that's the reality of where our world is going. Um, It's attention. It's who you know, right? Networking with people, making relationships. You never know when you're going to need a card that's in your back pocket of, of someone. You never know when... You're going to cross paths with with uh, someone from your past that shows up in your future. So um, building your personal brand and being a reputable, great person matters. 
um, yeah. when you're 20, when you're 40, when you're 60, like that's, that yeah. sticks with you. Um, and, uh, last, last thing on that, never burn a bridge. And some people will say, well, what if someone crosses you like so much that like you have to, and like, there's, there's probably times when, when you do, but like, I think more times than not taking the high road and, and being calm, cool and collected and having a, a good, strong network will help you long term than it would for you to, to burn a bridge at 23 or 24. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Good. All right. Let's leave it there. Um, how can folks connect with you? Yeah. So I launched a website. It's stephanmathis.com. It's more of just a landing page right now that, that kind of talks about what I did at Molo, um, what's coming for the horizon for me, what kind of where I'm, where I'm going, what I'm thinking. Um, I, I have a Calendly link down there and then my, my email is on there. S S M at stephanmathis.com. Right now I'm honestly just connecting with like-minded individuals. Maybe it's an investor or it's someone who was me who needs some direction. Uh, I'm happy to take a call with, with, with someone who wants to figure out how to be a better sales rep or this or that. Like I, yeah. I, I like, yeah. I like helping people. There's something about giving back after you've been successful. Um, I think there's an Ed Milet quote. He says, you're most qualified to help your former self, which is like so true, right? Like if you could coach yeah. Yeah. step, uh, Jim Weaver, if you could coach Jim Weaver of 20 years old, like what to do, what not to do, you could probably lead him faster to a place of happiness. Yeah. Right. <laughs> And so I, I think about that all the time, like my young self at, yeah, yeah. at 21, what would I d teach myself having known what I known? And so like, I, there's probably other people who I could help. And so I'm, I'm open to that as well. Great. Okay. Well, we'll put that in the show notes, put the, those links in the show notes and uh, great story. Great to talk with you. We wish you the best until next time. Keep it real. Thank you for listening. This podcast was powered by Onan, a family of staffing companies providing real staffing solutions to manufacturing, logistics, and food processing companies across the United States of America. To get in touch or learn more about partnering with an Onan Group company, visit us at www.onangroup.com. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time.